Today is May 13th, 2022. This is Everyone Has an Opinion. My name is Juan. And while today is Friday the 13th, I bet Canelo thought he was living his nightmare last weekend when he got upset in sensational fashion by Dimitri Bivol. Bivol really shocked the world. A lot of people didn't give him a chance. He was a 4-1 to underdog. I, for one, didn't see him winning. I predicted a competitive fight in which Canelo would pull away. That didn't happen. It was competitive for the first four rounds. In my book, I had it eight rounds to four. But you really could make a case for nine to three. I don't see anything other than that. Nine to three, eight to four. Some even had it ten to two. I thought that was a little bit over the top. But I could see why they thought that. Dimitri Bivol really did what he's been doing most of his career. And that is thoroughly outbox you for 12 straight rounds. He doesn't necessarily go for the kill. That was part of the reason I didn't pick him. He doesn't really press when I think he has opportunities to press. But he's just very smart, very tactical, extremely well defensively. He's the number one ranked defensive fighter in the sport of boxing. Not in the light heavyweight division. In the entire sport of boxing. And that was on display last Saturday when Canelo landed the least amount of punches he's ever landed in a 12-round fight. That just shows you the dominance that was really there. Especially after the fourth round. I mean, the judges, all three of them gave Canelo all four of the first. I think that is insane. Absolutely ridiculous. And they should be ashamed of, them, of themselves for literally giving Canelo a four-round advantage entering the fight. But needless to say, from the rounds 5 to 12, Canelo only won one round. One round in my book, one round on most cards from members of the press, and one round from all three of the official judges. That's how clear the rounds that Bevel won were, especially in the second half of the fight. Canelo looked gassed, he looked tired. I see people blaming all different types of things, blaming the vegan diet and stuff like that. To me, Bevel capitalized on weaknesses that have been there forever with Canelo. I've pointed them out on this podcast before. Canelo, one of the main factors to me is the jab. Canelo has never been a jabber. I've said it many times. Canelo isn't much of a jabber at all. You show me the fight where Canelo is fighting behind his jab and peppering his opponent at will. That doesn't happen. Where he's jabbing his way into an opponent's guard. That doesn't happen. That fight doesn't exist. Canelo is a hooker. Huge left hook. Uses it to the body and the head. Also has a right hand. But more, more so, the most dangerous punch he has to me is that left hand. But he has a straight right as well. The jab though, it's missing from his game. It always has been. The jab is the most important punch in boxing. That is part of the reason I was so confused during the Triple G fights. When most people weren't giving him enough credit for his jab. And he had one of the best jabs in the sport at that time. Bevel established his jab early and often. The first punch you learn to throw in a boxing gym is always the jab. Why do you think that is? It sets everything up. Shout out to Ray Oliveira. If you don't know who that man is, Google him. Ray Oliveira was a very accomplished professional fighter. I consider myself fortunate enough to spend some time in his gym, train with him. And one of the things that stuck out to me 
was when he was showing me a jab. And he told, he told me, the jab is your whip. The jab is your whip. The right hand, the power punch, is your hammer. You want to flick that whip out constantly. And when it's time, you drop the hammer. Canelo was swinging hammers all night long. And when Canelo's throwing them, it's more like sledgehammers. That is part of the reason he was so tired. Because all he throws are power punches. Canelo was throwing his power punches. And he's done this in every fight. Where he throws it, he has the same style to me. So you, you know Canelo's style. He comes forward, high guard, great head movement. And he puts pressure on you to the point of you want to throw something back. You want to throw something first, actually. You want to throw something to get him out of your personal space. So you're like, all right, let me get this guy off me. And Canelo sits back with his great head movement, and he counters you with vicious body shots. Body shots and hooks to the head. He's a tremendous power puncher. So he came in with that same style, and he's used to kind of giving some rounds up, not necessarily fighting to win round by round, because he believes his power is going to break you down. And for the most part, most opponents usually do break down. That's how real his power has been at 160 and 168. That didn't seem to translate against a guy like Bevel, who is a full-fledged 175-pounder, undefeated champion with experience against big punchers. Canelo didn't do the damage he thought he was going to do. He also wasn't landing as much as he usually does, going against a great defensive fighter. So when you're missing as much as Canelo missed, like I said, this is the least punches he's landed. And he's throwing more than he usually throws. He threw 130 more punches than he did against Caleb Plant in only one more round. Think about that. 130 punches in a round. Chocolatito isn't even doing that. Those are insane numbers. So 130 extra punches were thrown through that fight. That shows you the pace was way quicker than Canelo was prepared to fight at. And Canelo is never... A fast-paced fighter. He is a plodding guy who is patient, doesn't waste his punches, and is looking for that opening, looking for that counter, waiting for you to throw at him first, but applying the pressure mentally that makes you think you have to throw. Canelo is great at dictating the pace that way, and he's done it in most of his fights. This was a case where he could not establish the pace that he thought he was going to dictate. Beevil was the man making him fight three minutes of every single round. When you do that, well, when Canelo does that, he tires out. We've seen it in the Triple G fight. We've seen it against Lara. We've seen it um, a little bit against Kovalev, where he gets tired and he'll take a round off. Well, in this fight, he didn't have that luxury. He couldn't take a round off. Beevil was either jabbing and making Canelo reset his feet every time, because Canelo has slow feet. That's another flaw. Canelo is a great fighter, but he has flaws. I think they're easy to see from me sitting on the couch. So that is why a guy with the skill and the preparation of Beevil was able to, to pinpoint these deficiencies in Canelo's game. The feet were slow. So Beevil made him reset every time. That takes energy. Dodging the jab, moving his head all the time. That takes energy. Chasing Beevil at times. When, when Beevil would land a combination, he'd always back away. When he pushed Canelo against the ropes multiple times in this fight, 
He landed a combination, maybe three punches. He might throw 10, land three. Okay, I'm still winning the round. I'm going to back up now, make you come to me. You notice Canelo was waving him in, trying to counter him with something, trying to get Bevel to get overconfident and rattle off more punches than he was willing to and, and walk into something big. That didn't happen. Bevel was smart enough to say, you know what, I'm winning this round. Now you have to come chase me to get back into the round. And he did it every single time, and that is something that took energy. Also, you could say the weight. I'm sure that had a factor. That took energy. But I've seen this, not this style, but this pace work against Canelo in the past, where he can't keep up with that fast pace. He just doesn't have the lung capacity or the stamina to do it. Because, like I said, he's throwing all these power punches. That tires you out. You can't just rely on power, power, power every single round, every single fight. It's going to catch up to you, and in this fight, it did. It does take a great fighter, though, to execute it. It sounds easy when I'm talking about, oh, yeah, he's slow-footed. He uh, doesn't have a jab. He relies on power. He can't fight when he's backing up. Yeah, that sounds easy, but you have to have the talent and the dedication to really pull this off. And Bevel was brilliant in that fact where he didn't lose focus throughout all 12 rounds. There was no part in that fight where Bevel got lazy or Bevel took his foot off the gas as far as his game plan. He never let up. He was smart the entire time, and he was very precise and picked his shots perfectly. It was it was a masterpiece in the making by Bevel. And I think Canelo needs to really regroup, really needs to go back to the drawing board and think about what he wants to do next, because I'm not sure he could beat a guy like Bevel. I really don't think that style is for him. He can't, I don't, I don't see a way he can win it. I really don't. After seeing it play out, I had the pre-fight prediction. Obviously, I didn't pick Bevel, but I knew he had the skills to be very, very competitive. I didn't know if he had the will to do it, and I didn't know if he had the durability to, to stand up with Canelo's power. Those things were proven in the fight, in the first fight. The rematch, I can't see going any differently besides a robbery. I mean, if they're really going to rob the guy because they kind of tried to, I mean, maybe you can rob him, of course. As far as, as, as skill-wise, I don't see what Canelo can do. So I think the best bet would be for him to fight Triple G, which was planned on before this fight. Fight Triple G in September. I know fans were down on that fight before. I think after this loss, now you kind of have a little bit more interest because you don't know what's going to happen. Canelo didn't look his greatest. But I don't think Canelo looked really bad either. Canelo... Like I said, he fought how he usually does. It's just Bevel came with something totally different and had the combination to capitalize on all those certain aspects of Canelo's game that aren't really top-notch. Canelo has mastered his style, but he's never been a fighter that can, that can jab you to death or that can fight on his back foot. When you force Canelo to back up, that is when he has issues. Another thing real quick before I move on, um, another thing that a lot of Canelo supporters and members of the media and even ex-fighters or current fighters like Clarissa Shields had mentioned is Canelo dared to be great. They're kind of sweeping the loss under the rug a little bit and saying, you know, Canelo was, was fighting at a higher weight class. He dared to be great. So we got to give him credit for trying to accomplish something like that. I hear that. And I don't really like that phrase. I think we need to be a little bit careful when we, when we say things like, he dared to be great. 
Because if you say that, he dared to be great, but he failed. He lost the fight. So are you saying that doesn't mean he's great anymore? He dared to be great and he failed. So does that, by definition, that would mean he's not great, right? Because he dared, but didn't succeed. You know what I'm saying? So I think we should be careful with how we phrase that. Canelo is a great fighter, but he had fought at that weight class before. He had won a championship at that weight class before. It's not like he was trying to accomplish something he hadn't already accomplished. He's already been a champion at 175. When Mikey Garcia moved up for the first time and tried to get a title in his fifth weight class against Errol Spence Jr., and he got outboxed, it wasn't competitive, he realized he didn't belong there. He didn't really go for the kill at any point. He was he was content with losing 12 rounds. Nobody said he dared to be great. Nobody gave Mikey Garcia that pass. Mikey Garcia was a consensus top 10 pound-for-pound fighter before that fight. Since then, he has not been mentioned once in pound-for-pound talk. So why does Canelo get this pass? I don't get it. Dared to be great. No. If he went out on a shield like Deontay Wilder against Tyson Fury when he was fighting a guy that was more than 30 pounds heavier than him, he dared to be great because he said, you know what? It's kill or be killed. If I don't knock this guy out, he's going to knock me out because I'm not going to stop until that happens. And that's exactly what happened. Canelo didn't really go for the kill at any point in this fight. He didn't really step on it and give it everything he had. He didn't dare to be great in that aspect. So I can't really accept that that dared to be great shit that just doesn't jive with the situation that doesn't match what we're talking about here we're talking about a guy who was highly favored who people looked at like he was invincible he was a four to one favorite most people were counting Bevel out didn't even think it was competitive there was no buzz for the fight because people didn't want to watch Bevel. they didn't want to see that fight this isn't the fight we asked for so Canelo went out of his way picked a fight that the fans were not demanding ignored the fact that we wanted to see him versus Charlo or Benavidez. They ignored that fact and said, you know what, I'm going to fight Bevel. And then he lost, and now people are backtracking saying, oh, you know, uh, the guy isn't really a light heavyweight. No, the guy was a champion of light heavyweight, moved up seven pounds. Let's be real. Seven pounds isn't that crazy, okay? It didn't look like Canelo couldn't fit in the class. It's just he got outclassed by one of the best fighters on the planet. That's what happened. Canelo could be a competitor at 175, in my opinion. Hey, everyone has an opinion. That just happens to be mine. He can be a competitor, a top competitor at 175. I believe that. So I don't think the weight was as much of a problem as we're saying it was. It's not like Bevel was this huge power puncher that just muscled Canelo the whole fight. No. He had the durability to take his shots, absolutely, because there's harder punches in the division. There's Arthur Beterbiev, there's Joe Smith Jr., there's uh, John Pascal, who was juiced to the gills when he fought Bevel. And, and he's experienced those type of fighters before. Not better Bev, but the other guys he's been in the ring with, he's felt that power. Canelo's wasn't up to par. But I think Canelo's skills are up to par against other opponents. That's a pretty deep division. I think Canelo does have a future there. I just don't think he can mess with a guy like Bevel. Too many skills. That's a bad matchup. Moving on. This weekend. We have a rematch. One of the best fights of 2021. Jermel Charlo versus Brian Castaño 2 for the undisputed championship. This is something you cannot miss. This is a super welterweight matchup. Fantastic fight last year. 
It's truly 50-50. I can't call it. Take a coin, flip it. That's how you decide on who's going to win this fight. The first fight was a draw. I thought it was a 7-5 fight for Brian Castaño, but that's only a one-round difference. You, you disagree with one of my rounds there and give the other one um, to Charlo, and you have yourself a draw, and I think that's exactly what happened. A draw was definitely a reasonable decision. Um, Charlo closed the fight very strong, winning 10, 11, and 12, not only on my card, but I believe it was all three judges agreed with that. Charlo finished strong. They both rocked each other at different times. I think Castaño controlled more of the middle of the fight. It was a great back-and-forth battle. No one was really separating themselves from each other, and I think that's why this rematch is so intriguing because who knows what's going to happen this time. Who's going to step up? I think both guys have room for improvement. Castaño didn't really come close to matching his career output before that, his career average. I believe he was throwing something like close to 90 punches per round before that fight and then cut that almost in half and his average is down to something like 80 punches per round now or 78 punches per round. So Castaño, I think, can put more output out there. He could be more active, which is crazy because he's already a super active fighter, but I think there's room for him to pick up the pace even a little bit more. But I could say the same thing for Charlo. Charlo kind of averaged the same that he usually does. But I think there was room for him to be a little bit more energetic at times. I think he needs to do it in spurts. I think Charlo needs to mix it up more. Where instead of just going for the knockout, knockout, knockout. Go back to your fundamentals a little bit. Um, before, before Charlo changed trainers to... Derek James, I think he was more of a boxer. Derek James has him sitting on his punches more, and that's why he's been getting more stoppages. And don't get me wrong, I think Derek James is arguably the best trainer in the world. Trainer of the year in my book. Trainer of Jermel Charlo and Earl Spence Jr. So I think he's definitely a great trainer. But I'm not I'm not saying uh, disregard what he's what he's taught you at all. I'm just saying be more well-rounded. Kind of think of the things you learned before and implement those better. Implement the boxing. Implement some movement back to your game, Charlo, because I think that'll be the best path to victory against a guy like Brian Castaño. Because you know Castaño is coming forward. That's what he's doing. He's coming forward. He's coming at both angles, or all angles, I should say. And he's throwing with both hands. He's not much of a jab either. Like we talked about Canelo earlier. Castaño isn't going to be throwing his jab much. He's going to be throwing looping shots, very unpredictable trajectories on his shots. You think it's a jab, it's coming in, it's a hook, or it's a straight right hand, or it's over the top, or it's an underneath uppercut. He really varies his shots tremendously. He reminds me of Marcos Maidana a little bit, not only because his high volume, his looping shots, but also both men are from Argentina. So I'm sure he'll be watching his fellow countrymen over here trying to get an undisputed championship against Charlo. But back to the styles, I think Castaño kind of needs to do what he was doing in the first fight, just up the pace a little bit more. And then with Charlo, a little more movement, but then when it's time, jump in there, trade with those big power shots that you have, and try and get a knockout um, like he's been predicting. He said he's going to stop him. Let's see if he can. It's not going to be easy, though. I think it's going to be a hell of a fight. Like I said, 50-50, I really can't call it. I think the biggest... The biggest factor in this fight will be if Charlo can stay off the ropes. 
I'll say it like this. If Charlo can can stay off the ropes, he'll win. If Castaño puts Charlo on the ropes again in this fight, I think Castaño will win. That's how I see it. Let me hear what you guys have to say. You guys think Charlo's going to pull it out. Do you think Castaño uh, was the rightful winner of the first fight? Is he going to really get that on his record and cement himself as one of the top fighters in this world? He's another underappreciated guy. We talk about Dimitri Bivol. I think Brian Castaño is another really underappreciated guy. The guy has not lost. He has two draws that you can argue he won both of them. The Charlo fight and the Lara fight. He's a champion. He could be an undisputed champion. We will find out Saturday night on Showtime. The main card is a short one. I believe it's only three fights. But the co-main is also very exciting. You've got one of the most exciting must-see TV fighters in the sport. Jerron Boots Ennis is in the co-main event against Castillo Clayton. Boots is one of many to keep an eye on because there's such a deep pool of young talent in today's sport. But let's be clear. Boots is right at the top of that list. His athleticism explodes off the screen. I mean explodes. He's a guy you can imagine being good at whatever sport he set his mind to. Unfortunately for his opponents, he chose boxing. What's impressive to me is how he doesn't even seem to fail guys out. He immediately jumps on the offensive with power shots. Excuse me. He can switch his hands seamlessly. Switch stances seamlessly. This guy is really must-see TV, I'm telling you. If you haven't seen him, go out of your way to watch Jerron Boots Ennis. Whether it's highlights, whether it's this fight Saturday night, get yourself some Boots Ennis content and you tell me what you think of him. He can dip low. He can stand tall. He has a power jab. He also has a variety to his shots, meaning he throws them at different speeds, different trajectories. Like we talk about Castaño, Boots Ennis is thrown from all angles as well. He has the ability to be defensive too, but he gets a little bit away from that at times in order to punish opponents. It's almost as if he has no respect for his opponent's power or what they're throwing back. He believes his shots will eventually be too much, and usually they have been. But that worries me a little bit. If he gets in there with a guy like Earl Spence or Terrence Crawford or even a Virgil Ortiz, the real elite guys like him, at the top of the division, he has to change it up because he can get caught by one of these big punchers. Clayton is a good puncher. I don't think he's a big puncher, but he's a good matchup, especially at this time. He's a guy who makes it really difficult to look good against them. He's defensively responsible, technically sound. He doesn't take much risk. He's not a high-risk guy. He's not just going to walk into something. But we all I know we all want to see Boots in these big fights against the Crawfords and Spences and stuff like that. But I believe the way he's moving is perfect. You want a guy to experience different styles on his way to the top. So when he eventually gets in a competitive fight, he has different tools to pull from. Clayton can stink a fight out. He can make it a boring fight. He can frustrate you. If Boots stops this guy, I think it'll be a huge statement by Boots. You just gotta, you gotta get familiar with all you want him to fight a fast guy a mover a defensive guy a big puncher you want him to see all these different things so in the back of his mind when he's come up again he said oh you know i've seen that i've seen that style i've seen this before when because he's going to get in there eventually with a guy who can do it all terrence crawford he can do everything he's he don't know what he's coming with because he can do it all so you want to see boots continue to develop continue to step up 
because it could be another impressive night for the Philadelphia native this Saturday if he just stops Clayton in less than three rounds or something like something crazy like that. I believe Clayton is still undefeated. Clayton claims he's been preparing for this fight for over a year. He said they've come to him many different times with the boots offer and things fell through for whatever reason. So he's been more than prepared for this fight. So I expect him to bring his A game and I want to see him test Boots as much as he can. If he can. I mean, the way Boots has been running through people like a buzzsaw, I don't know if he can be tested at this point. But we have to see it. I know the guy looks the part. Um, like I said, explodes off the screen. He has the he passes the eye test with flying colors. But we have to see him actually prove it. And Castello Clayton is probably his toughest test at the moment. So we'll see how he does this Saturday live. On Showtime. Set your DVR. Do not forget. This is a card you simply do not want to miss. It's the best versus the best. And I've been talking about it every week. You probably think I'm going crazy here. And thinking, oh, am I listening to the same episode? No. You're not listening to the same episode as last week. It's just boxing is consistently giving us the best versus the best. Damn near on a weekly basis. But I just want to play a clip from Steven Espinoza, president of Showtime. He said it best. If you're not watching this card, if you're not watching the Charlo versus Castaño card, then you can't call yourself a boxing fan. You're not a boxing fan. You cannot say you're a boxing fan if you're not watching this weekend. Espinoza, you're not lying. But Showtime isn't the only card. On this weekend, DAZN is also producing a pretty solid card. you got Gilberto, Gilberto Ramirez, a.k.a. Zerto Ramirez, a light heavyweight, devastating puncher, 43-0. Tills guys to the body, probably the most impressive body puncher in the sport, and that's saying a lot. you got guys like Canelo Alvarez, Earl Spence Jr. out there. This guy's right on that level with body punching. He's a southpaw, a big, powerful Mexican, 43-0. 29 knockouts. He's matched up tough against Dominic Bosil. That is the main event on the zone. But on the undercard, you've got William Zapata. William Zapata, you talk about the lightweight division and all the talent. We talk about how deep it is. Not enough is being discussed about William Zapata. 25 0, 23 knockouts. Young man, only 25 years of age. Southpaw, Mexican. Come forward, fan-friendly style, punches and bunches, all that good stuff that you want to see from a great Mexican warrior. He has the ingredients to potentially become one of them. He's starting off his career great. He's fighting Rene Alvarado. If Zapata just runs through Alvarado, it's time to get this guy a big fight. We do not talk about this guy enough, myself included. We don't put enough shine on Zapata. I think it's because the division is so filled with stars and stars in the making like Devin Haney, Javante Davis, uh, Teofimo Lopez, who was there. Cambosos just became on the rise. Isaac uh, Cruz is becoming a name. Obviously, Ryan Garcia. The division is so loaded. You forget there's a guy like William Zapata saying out there, and he's doing the same thing these other guys are doing. He's running through competition at an impressive rate. So if he continues to do that, we need to look at him as another player in that division. That's on the co-main on DAZN. Um, Triller is even having a card. Sergey Kovalev is making his return against Tervel Pulev, the brother of Kubrat Pulev. They're at Cruiserweight. Evan Holyfield, Evander Holyfield's son, is fighting on that card. 
Fernando Vargas's sons are also on that card. There's just so much boxing this week. Obviously, the Showtime card is the best one, but I, I have do have my eyes on that DAZN card. And then also on ESPN Plus earlier in the day, you have a heavyweight matchup. Tony Yoka, the gold medalist, fighting Martin Bacoli. 10 rounds, heavyweights. That's a good matchup. I think Yoka has the potential to possibly be a big-time guy at heavyweight. He has the size and the skills to compete with a guy like Tyson Fury. I, I'm not saying right now, but I'm saying maybe two years from now, Yuka is the guy to look forward to. And I like to see what he can do against a tough matchup, a guy like Bacoli, who isn't going to lay down. He's a big power puncher. He's going to stand and trade with you. So I'm really curious to see how Tony Yuka looks in this fight. If he's ever going to be what he has the potential to be, this is a fight where he can get some eyeballs on him, make, make it happen. Uh, we'll see what Tony Yoka can do, though. He has to make a statement. If, if he's going to draw attention, he's a gold medalist. He already has the accolades in the amateur ranks. As a professional, it's time to make that happen. But that's all I got for you guys this week. It should be a great weekend of boxing, another loaded one, and it continues. Next week, we got David Benavidez. The week after that, you got Javante Davis. It's really nonstop. What a time to be alive. We're living in the golden ages. The best fighting the best. Not happening. That's a thing of the past. 2022 is a historical year for the sport of boxing. I'm just happy I'm here to cover it, watch it, and share it with all you guys around the world. Thank you for your time. I will be back next week. Please subscribe if you haven't already. Don't forget to give me that five-star review. Until then, I'm out.